interrupt. You know, I, I don't know if I can be all man. Maybe, maybe she had a, a very strong father. You know, some, some women have this father figure. Like, man, I, I can't be all that, you know. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just the standards. Just, you look at the world like, I'm, I'm not what everybody else is. And you just feel like you can't measure up. And it's a sense in us sometimes that opportunity, you just want to give up. You know, I, I don't even want to try because I don't think I can live up to that standard. And so this is something we've got to face as men as we face um, whether we're going to be a, a passive husband. So Ahab represents the passive husband. Let's move on to the, uh, the controlling wife. That's Jezebel. And we'll get into our, our blanks in a second. So the controlling wife, this, this is what the controlling wife does, Jezebel. 21 verses 5 and 7. 5 through 7. The wife, his wife Jezebel came in and asked, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? Now, you could read into things in the text and what her tone was, but I'm sure it wasn't um, encouraging and, Hey, <laughs> Get up, you wuss. You know, why are you so sore? What, what's wrong with you, you wimp? It's not what we do in our country. The answer, because I said to Naboth, the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel's wife said, is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up, eat, cheer up. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. She's smacking him around. Get up, little boy. That's how you act? You think you're the king? So she starts smacking him around, telling him what a wimp he's being. And uh, this is what she does. That, so this is, this is reality. Women, men, at some area of another in our lives, are insecure. We all are. We have insecurities that a lot of times we hide behind. And we sometimes exaggerate. And I tell my son this all the time. It's play, it goes back to playground. The kids that are most insecure are sometimes the most vocal, the most pushing, the most bullying. Uh, you know, they want to cheat all the time. Um, there's, this is funny. I, he talks. My son talks about the the playground football game every day. That's the big talk of the day. The playground football game. What happened? And it's funny how some some kids always want to. They can't accept. You know, so you score. No, I didn't count because uh, they're so insecure about maybe somebody else was successful. What, what does that mean for me? So they can never accept just actual playing the game. It's funny. It seems like they can never make it through a game without, um, you know, some argument, something happens, somebody cheating because they just can't accept the outcome of the game. And so as men, we have these insecurities in us that we sometimes hide behind. Sometimes we overblow things. We, we do things to cover them up. But we have insecurities. It goes back to the Garden of Eden, and, and, and when God created everything perfect, everything was perfect. He created Adam, and, and Adam was there in a perfect world. God said, this is all good, but it's not good that man is alone. This man is, is not good all by himself. He needs what the Bible says, a helper or a helpmate um, to come alongside of him to assist him in his life. In the calling of his life. And God creates woman. This beautiful, amazing creature. That comes alongside of man to help him. Where he can't do it by himself. And some women in a, in a sense might say. Well that's sweet. Or some might say. You know what? That's a helper. That seems so low. So we I mean. What, what kind of. I mean really. I'm not into all that. I don't want to help some guy. He can help himself. Yeah, I, I understand. There, there's this different. Uh, perspective we have, but this is actually a beautiful, necessary, powerful thing. 
A helper does not mean that you're less, but it's like roles on the team. You know, if you play basketball, there's different positions. There's a point guard. There's a forward. There's there's different places you play. And there's different responsibilities with each. If you're on a football team, if anybody's ever played sports, there's different positions. Soccer, forward, striker. Doesn't mean one is less. There's a goalie. There's only one goal. Doesn't mean the goalie's less or more. It's just a role. And and this is what God has created within our our relationships that there's roles. And it doesn't mean one is more or one is less, but that when we fulfill our roles, we become more as, as a team. And so here's the key. Ladies, as a wife, the way that you treat your husband, you can make a weak man stronger or a weak man weaker. You can make a weak man stronger or a weak man weaker. We all have areas of weakness as guys. We all have insecurities. We all have things that we're just not sure about. And a wife can serve as a helper to, to build up in those areas of weaknesses or to tear down in those areas of weaknesses. And see, a controlling woman will always make a weak man weaker. And that's what Jezebel did in the life of Ahab, her husband. We find her doing that in two specific ways. And here, here's your blanks on the page. Number one, she belittles her husband with her words. She belittles her husband with her words. Verse 7 says... She, is this how you act as king of Israel? Are, are you the king of Israel or not? Another translation puts it. In other words, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You, you can't. You never. You are not living up. You are, you are less than. You know, I wish you would, but you, you just don't. And on and on. And the way we speak to our spouses, and this goes both ways. But the way we speak to our spouses, we're either building them up or we're tearing them down. We're either building them up or tearing them down. Proverbs says... In Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Many times what we speak over our spouses is actually what comes to pass. We speak these things, maybe we, it's not our intention, maybe it's not what we want, maybe even good intentions. We, we're saying things because we want a, a certain outcome, but we're getting the opposite result. You know, I mean, no, no couple... Is perfect, but I, I really am blessed. I have to say, and you know, Cassie doesn't have the opportunity to, to be in here to hear this, so I don't get any brownie points. But um, I am blessed with a wife that uh, is very encouraging. Now, not to mean you know nobody's perfect, but many times you know we're feeling down and we're feeling stressed. We have four kids. It's like, hey, let's go take a walk. Let's just leave them and trust the Lord that they don't kill themselves, and we're going to go on a walk. <laughs> And we'll see them in 30 minutes. You know, we got to get out of here, basically. Or maybe they can migrate across the street and eat some Oreos and meet them papas or something. But we, we go on a walk, and it's usually, I'll be honest with you, it's usually uh, her encouraging me. Something going on, man, you know, this and that in my life, and I, I don't know if I'm, we're, we're doing it right, or we, you know, with the church, is this going anywhere? Are we, are we being, doing what we're supposed to? And she's always that voice of encouragement to me. She's always that voice of encouragement. I can go on a 30-minute walk and come back and feel like, okay, we can do this. Okay, we got this. We're together. And it's a powerful thing when, when as a guy, you, you, you want to you succeed. You want to be something. You want to serve God. You want to fulfill His call in your life. But that, that voice of, of your spouse can be so powerful. If we went on a walk and she said, you know what? You're a loser, Sheldon. <laughs> you can't do this. You need, to, you need to just give up. I bet you I'd come back home and be like, uh, I'm going to go on a walk all by myself and I may not see you for a while. 
But the, the voice of, of Cassie in my life is such a powerful thing. It's so so important. And I know not all all relationships work that itself out that way. That that's the unfortunate thing. Sometimes, you know, in marriages that, that I've observed from the outside in, or maybe in counseling, you know, the husband sometimes is not encouraged, not motivated through uh, the wife's words. The words are, are maybe not even ill intentioned. Maybe it's Sometimes we don't even understand what we're saying or doing. It's not even with a bad motivation, but the words come across in a negative way. Come across and you, you're not living up, you're not doing, you're not, and the, the husband is not receiving these things, but is instead clamming up into a shell. Um, even in good intentions, if, if a wife becomes the reminder police, um, some things go south from there. And so... I don't want to drive this too much, but I just want to encourage you ladies to be that encouraging voice for your husband. If you're a married spouse, be that encouraging voice. If you're uh, in a relationship, be that encouraging voice. No man has ever crawled out from the constant complaining of his wife, a better man. Be that encouraging voice. Even if everything you're saying is true, um, so often men just kind of shut down under that under that sort of situation. Number two, the second way a controlling woman makes a weak man weaker is she simply takes over. She takes over. So in this story, she tells Ahab, basically, you little weak boy, you can't get this done, I'm going to get it done. You can't handle your business, I'm going to handle your business. So you move out of the way, you sit here in your bed and cry, all right, I'm going to go take care of business. And so that's what she does. She goes off to take care of this vineyard situation, which we'll look at in a second. And so, I don't even think about driving. Now, this is an illustration that's imperfect, but um, when you're on a trip, uh, in, when you're driving, there's really only one responsibility seat in the car. If you're in the front, there's probably two seats, but there's only one responsibility seat in the car. Which one would that be? The driver's seat. The person in the passenger seat is free to turn the radio up, drink a soda, chill out, take a nap, turn around, look forward, read a book if you don't get car sick. You got a lot of options. The person in the driver's seat has to keep the eyes on the road, pay attention to signals, watch for other cars, you know, watch for traffic, merge, and all sorts of things. There's only one responsibility seat in the car. And this can happen sometimes as we look at this as an illustration. Um, if you, as a, as a wife, look at your husband in the driver's seat, now, I'll just say, I let my wife drive all the time, so this is not, if you want your wife to drive, it's all to the good. She gets car sick in the neighborhood, so it's all good. But think about it as an illustration. If you let, you look at your husband, like, he's just not driving right in our marriage. Get out of the seat. Let me come over here. Let me drive this car. You're not driving it right. And you get him over to the non-responsibility seat. All right, you sit over here. I'm going to drive this. You just take over. I'm going to drive it. You're, you're not driving fast enough. You're, you're not, you know, you're swerving too much, this, that, the other thing. Um, you may get what you want in the short run. You may get where you want to go in the short run. But in the long run, what you've just done is told your husband, you can just chill out. And you don't have to do anything. Oh, you're going to take over? Okay, I'll just sit here and chill out. Oh, you're going to do that? Well, I'll just, I'll just drink a soda and sit here and watch you do it. 
So in the short run, maybe you accomplish what you want. In the long run, you condition your husband to not take responsibility. What I'm saying is, is that this is a God-given role that the husband must step into. And if you see, this is the complexity of it. When you see a, a man not doing that as a wife, you want him to do it. But if you take it from him, he'll never do it. This is the challenge of it all. It's not a simple solution to it. But it's, it's something that as ladies, we have to put prayer into. And I'm sure many of us here as ladies would be praying about this. But this is something that the short term may be successful. The long term is not going to accomplish what you want. This can happen in, in the big things, but it can happen in the small things. I mean, you think about a relationship. If you want your husband to do the laundry, I mean, you can nag him about it or something. But if he does it once and he doesn't do it right, you're supposed to fold it this way. You fold this, you fold. Okay, you fold. <laughs> uh, it, trust me, we all know, right? The, no, you do. You put the dishes out, the, the, load the thing, you put it back here, you go. All right. <laughs> All right, woman, you load the thing. I'm not loading the thing because you got that way and I can't be successful. I'm going to take my ball and go home. And you just, you keep loading it. Because whatever I do it, I do it wrong. So you just keep doing it. You see how that works out? Sometimes what we want, we don't get. We got to be gracious. You know what you should do when your husband loads the dishwasher? Come over there and just give him the biggest kiss he's had all, all week. That's... That's probably what's rewarded is repeated, right? And if he thinks, hey, I loaded the dishwasher, hey, I'll do it tomorrow, you know? If you come over and tell him that the cups actually go on the other side and this isn't right and this isn't right, don't expect him to do it again. <laughs> exactly. What else can I do? Because we can keep this going. We can round to second base and, and we can go home. We can we do it all. Um, so... Ladies, I know there's complexity to this. There's some, let's just be honest, there's some times where a husband has dropped the ball so much that you have to take over. You know, so, so I, I don't want to say that if you're, maybe you're in a situation where the, the husband's gone. He said, forget this, I'm, you know, and you got to pick up the slack. Or, or So there's so many different situations. I, I just want to speak to the, the target. You know, I know there's exceptions to the rule, and I know life gets complex, but... Um, Something we need to do, ladies, is pray for our husbands. Because we, we all fall short in many ways. But we need to, to encourage and reward those situations where they are stepping up. Because I think what's rewarded will be repeated. So now, you know, ladies, before you find the exit and think, this guy, what does he even know about being a lady anyways? He's a dude. Um, let's, let's transition for a second. Let's talk to the guys. Um, perhaps the reason that Jezebel felt like she needed to, to do what she did was that Ahab just never did it. And so he was always going home and getting in the bed and trying. And so she's like, this is how he always is. This guy's never going to get it. I, I don't know. We don't know the reason. Um, but as guys, we have the God-given responsibility to lead. That's what God's placed on our shoulders. And we can't abdicate that to somebody else. We can't say, you know what, I don't feel like it. You know, whatever. It's easier to do this. It's easier to do that. We have to step into that God-given responsibility to lead. And you may think, well, I never saw that in my home growing up. My dad was gone. He was never even there. Or my dad was, he was the passive guy. He never, you know, he just kind of chilled and did nothing. So you may never had a good role model. You may have never seen it. But that doesn't advocate our responsibility as guys 
to lead in our homes. So, uh, God says, uh, it says in, in 1 Corinthians eleven three that man is under the authority of Christ, woman is under the authority of a husband, and um, that's, that's the ordering that God has created. I know it's, it sounds weird in our day and age, like there's authority and under people, this, is, this could go bad, but in a God's perfect world, in a Christian home, that's how it goes. So, as men, we have to step into that position saying, God, help me lead in a way that honors you. We're hardwired by God to lead. So here's three ways that, as men, we are called to lead. Number one, we're called to be the provider. The provider. This doesn't mean that your wife has to be, you know, barefoot and pregnant at home and, you know, scrubbing the dishes and you're the provider. That's not what that means. Okay? Um, doesn't mean that your wife... Uh, can't make more money than you at her job. Some women are, are have, maybe they have a master's degree and they have a good job. Amen. That's awesome. Hey, great. But what this does mean is that as a husband, you have the responsibility on your shoulders for the provision of your family. Now, you may, you know, your wife may share that and it's delegate, you work together, but you don't abdicate that to your wife and say, oh, you're smart, I'll play video games. That's not how it goes. We still have to work at it as husbands and step up into that space and say, this is the responsibility on my shoulders, even if my wife is a genius and she's making you know, six figures. This is still something on my shoulders. First um, Timothy 5, 8 says this, but if, if any man does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That seems like big stuff. So you can come and worship and sing, and, but if you go home and say, forget taking care of these people, I, you know, I'm going to go read my Bible. Well, you're actually not spiritual. You're not serving God because God's called us as men to provide for our families. And so we may read the Bible less. If you read the Bible 24-7 but didn't provide for your family, it says you're worse than an unbeliever. That's crazy, right? But God's called us to do this. And, and this... This, we're a provider in a practical way. So it's, it's yes, it's, it's financial provision, but it's also in setting the financial direction and tone for your family. And you don't do this when responsibility is on you. It doesn't mean you have to do it all in your, in your own study and you figure it all out and then you go proclaim it to them. You do this in unison and it, with your wife. But this is where the responsibility rests. What is our family going to be as, as financially? Are we going to be up to our ears in debt? Are we going to just go shopping all the time and spend all our money and, and have all our, you know, Capital One calling us on the phone? And, you know, is that the type of family we're going to be? So we got to set that tone as a family and say, what, what are we going to be? Uh, we're going to be a tithing family. Our family's going to tithe. We're going to be a generous family. We're going to give. That's what the husband sets. You know, this is, this is a priority for us as a family. Uh, we're not going to be like everybody else just because they're, you know, they go on six vacations and they're doing... We got to come together as husband and wife and figure out what is the what is the financial tone of our family. How are we gonna how are we gonna use the money that God has given us? Um, so the husband provides us stability. Doesn't mean that you're called that you have to be wealthy. Husbands doesn't mean that you have to make six figures. Doesn't mean that you're ever gonna do that. Who knows? It's just the responsibility falls on our shoulders. Number two, as husbands we are or as men we're called to lead. And be the protector. Be the protector. 
Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Called to give ourselves up. Now, I've never had this happen to me where there's an intruder in the home. We live in Lexington. I don't know if there's a lot of intruders. I tell my kids that so they feel safe. Bad people don't live here. Yeah. They don't rob us because, you know, they don't want to fall asleep at night because there's a bad guy coming. So, anyway, that's, that's the narrative that we're going with. Um, but were, were there an intruder in my home, you know, it's not, a, you know, honey, uh, I got the last intruder. It's your turn. <laughs> you know, we're in an egalitarian marriage. You know, we're, we're equals here. All right. I paid 50%. You do 50. I, I got the last one. This is yours. You know, that's not as, we don't abdicate that responsibility. Even if my wife's a black belt in karate, you know, I go out there and I give it all I got. And if she's got to, you know, come in and cry to kick the guy in the jaw, you know, and then pick me up off the floor, uh, that's what's going to happen. Because that's my responsibility as the protector. That's not my wife's responsibility to go and, uh, you know, fight for the kids and all that. I got to step up as a man and take that. That's what God's put on my shoulders. I've got to give, lay my life down just as Christ laid his down for the church. And protection is not just, okay, well, I'm, you know, you want to see my gun collection? Because we're good, <laughs> you know? It's not just that, okay? And maybe you have a great gun collection. That's awesome. All right? Protection goes much deeper than that. We're called to protect our wife's heart. Protect her emotions. We need to guard her. Guard her heart. We don't want to expose our family to things that they don't need to be exposed to. We look at our kids. Are they protected from... I mean, you think about the internet today, all the things that are going on. Do I just put a, a, you know, give them a laptop, give them everything in the room and shut the door and say, hey, have fun. Or do I, do I monitor that and say, hey, I need to protect my kids from all the junk that's out there and make sure they're not just diving into stuff that they don't need to see. Because, I mean, you want to look at the statistics, it's scary, really scary. I've got to protect my, my, my family from maybe bad influences. You know, they bring a friend home. What's going on with this guy? Oh, wow, this is not good. Okay, well, we're going to play with somebody else. You know, this is not going to be people that we're going to go over to their house, spend the night. That's not what we're going to do. This, as, a, as a father, you've got you to step into that space. Again, it's not that you do that solo. Do it in conversations with your wife. Get to her wisdom. Sometimes women have a better intuition about that stuff. So it's not something you do by yourself, but you can't abdicate that and say, honey, you know all the kids' friends. You know all that stuff. All I'm going to do is, is go watch some football. You know, you got to step into that space and be a part of that protection of your family. And then finally this. As husbands, we're called to be the pastor. Called to be the pastor. Now, don't check out of me, alright? Because this doesn't mean you have to be a theologian or that you have to have a lot of education. But this is a responsibility that's on our shoulders to lead our families spiritually. It's something we do with our wives together, but it's the responsibility is on us. We can't punt that to our wife and say, well, you're into God more than I am. You're into all those sort of things. I believe, but I don't really, you know all that stuff. So you just kind of, you know, you pray with them and stuff. I'm going to go. It's something as men, it's so important that we step into that. It's not just a, um, an opinion. They do studies about everything, but they study this, that the homes where the men rise up in leadership, spiritual leadership, the children flourish spiritually. 
when, when dads say, you know what, kids, we're going to church. The, the study they did, it was um, a few years back, but they found that when a dad takes that responsibility and shows up at church with the kids, overwhelmingly more times than just the mom showing up with the kids, the kids end up in church their whole life. It's, it's, it's such a big gap. If it's dad saying, I have no interest in those things, I don't really care, and the mom's bringing them, it's only, I think it was like 2% of the time the kids end up actively involved. But if the dad says, you know what, this is what we're doing, even if the mom doesn't go, it goes to like 40%. There's some, something about a dad's role and saying, you know what, we're going we're gonna to be in church. We're going to serve God. And you may not feel equipped to know all the things, and you don't have to know everything. But it just starts with the right intention. You know what? If anything, we're going to church. If anything, you know, you're going to be involved in, hey, some, what, what kid, if you have kid children, are there some programs they can get involved in? Is there a camp they can go to? Can we pray together? You don't have to know everything to get started. If you just do something, it's much better than nothing. And so here it is. Guys, I just want to encourage you. You can do this. You can do this. You can be the leader that God's called you to be. Don't feel overwhelmed. You can do this. You may not do it perfectly. I know I don't do it perfectly. Uh, I'm not even close. But I don't want to give up this responsibility because I didn't succeed last time. Because I tried and I failed. That's not, a, that's not an excuse. Maybe you've tried this before. Maybe it's been challenging. Maybe you've said this even in, in your home. You've tried to do some of these things. And, and, and maybe even your wife's been like, hey, you're not doing it right. And you're like, well, whatever. I want to encourage you to keep at it. Because if, if there's any bit of Christ in your wife, she's going to respond over time to godly leadership. She's going to respond to your humility, to your attempts to do what's right. Give her some grace. Give her some time. Maybe because we've been passive so long, it's going to take a moment for them to really buy into us doing something different. But I want to encourage you guys. Let's step into it. So let's wrap this up. So go back to this story. Jezebel's all in control. She says, I'll go get the vineyard. And she puts together this elaborate plan to uh, basically get Naboth killed. And so she, she invites him to a party. She has two people accuse him of things that he didn't even do. And uh, in the midst of all this, these, these thugs accuse him, saying that he cursed God, he cursed the king. And in that time, that was a stonable offense. So people gather around, oh, wow, this guy needs to die. So they stone him based on no, no real evidence of anything. And Naboth is dead. In the midst of all that, she then acquires this vineyard from from the family or somehow, somewhere she gets the vineyard and she murders this guy to get this vineyard. And I want to look at this here. Who does God hold responsible? Verse 15. Who does God hold responsible for this? As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, that he refused to sell to you. He is no longer alive, but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up, went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. Interestingly, he didn't object. He didn't say, you know what, that's wrong. How did we even get to this point? He just says, okay, you did it for me. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. 
Say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man? Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Wow, that's nasty. That's some nasty stuff. But notice, first and foremost, Elijah comes from the word of the Lord. The judgment is first on Ahab. Even though he abdicated, even though he was laying in bed crying, his wife was out taking care of business, the buck came back to him as the husband. This was on you. You didn't step up. You didn't do anything. You didn't lead how you were supposed to. And now it's the judgment's on you. Kyle will come and we'll just wrap up today. You guys would just bow your heads and close your eyes and we'll just kind of conclude this, this time together. I truly hope that in this story, we don't leave discouraged today. We don't leave thinking, well, man, I'm, I'm really stinking it up in this area. Because that's not, that's not my goal. That's not God's goal for your life. I believe that when Jesus comes and the Spirit comes in our life, He will convict us. But that conviction will lead to that desire to change. Desire to grow. Desire to, to do something different. And rather than saying, you know what, I can't do this. I, this is too much. That we'll say, you know what, Lord, with your help, I can become who you want me to be. I can improve in these areas. I can grow. Because it's not all on my shoulders, Lord. You are the one helping me. You are the one leading me. I'm not, it's not just me trying to be better, but it's the Spirit of God working in my life to make me who He wants me to be. So when the truth comes and it, and it intersects with where I'm at, what I've been doing, I need to recognize what God's saying. But I don't, I don't have to lose heart because I know that God's here with me to lead me to a better place, lead me to a new place. You may be here this morning and, and you're not married. I recognize that. I know sometimes it can be awkward to sit through a marriage sermon when you're not married. But you may be here and, and marriage may be something that could be in your future. I don't know. And you're here and you'd say, you know what? God help me to build a godly foundation for the day that I, I do meet that person and I do get in a relationship. If you're here and, and maybe you're thinking about marriage, we talked about this last week, but you say, Lord, help me to continue to build that foundation so I can be who you call me to be, whether I'm a guy or a girl here this morning. If that's you, if you'd lift your hand and say, Lord, help me to build that foundation. That's good, that's good. Um, ladies here this morning, women, maybe you're married and, and, and again, I, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I'm a guy. But before the Lord, you would say, you know what? There's times where I, I, I recognize where I, I, I can't be too critical, too harsh. And, and maybe it's not with, with a bad motive. Maybe my heart is in the right place, but it's not, I'm not getting where, not getting the results out of that that I think we need to get. And, and maybe the Lord's speaking to you that today. Trying to help you just kind of reevaluate your approach. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a controlling wife. I want to be an encouraging wife. I want to be someone that builds up my husband. 
that he can be everything that God's called him to be. If that's you, you say, you know what, Lord, help me to, to build up my husband. Help me to build him up with encouraging words. If that's you, you lift your hand and say, Lord, help me this week, even to, to make progress this week with, with what I say, with how I say it, to be an encouragement so that I can make a weak man stronger. Men, if you would, you know, I know sometimes it's easy to get, you're, you're working, you get tired, come home, it's like, you know what, I just want to chill. I don't have the energy, I don't have the emotional energy to invest in all this, but, but as, as our role as, as men, we've got to step into that space and lead our homes. And I don't know, maybe you've, you've been here and, and you'd say, Lord, help me today as a husband to lead my family. You could have no children, maybe you have children, but you say, you know what, Lord, help me to step into those God-given roles to lead. I want to be the pastor of my home. I want to be the provider. I want to be the protector that God has called me to be. If that's you, husbands, would you lift your hands and say, Lord, help me to be that in my home. God, give me the strength to be that in my home. Amen. Amen. I just want to pray for everybody this morning. God, I thank you for, Lord, everybody that's here, ladies, men, husbands, wives, those that are single, those that are married, God, for all of us. I thank you, God, that you have placed us here this morning so that you can encourage our hearts. God, that you can speak to us. You can challenge us, Lord, to, to become who you want us to be. Lord, I, I thank you for the ladies that are here and, and they're hearing you speak to them this morning. God, you're, you're, you're convicting them maybe even of some things in the past, of some things that they've been doing, Lord, that, God, they're just not honoring what, you, what you're calling them to do. Lord, I pray that they would have just a new approach, a new sense about what you're calling them to do as a, as a wife. Lord, I pray that, that the women in our church would be encouraging women. They would build up the men in this church. And Lord, I pray for the guys here. Lord, help us to step in to our space and not abdicate it, to not be passive, to not just step back and let things happen. But Lord, help us to rise up to the challenges in our lives. God, help us to be godly men, godly husbands. Lord, help us to be mentors. Even if we're not married, help us to be a, a mentor to somebody else. So, so many young people don't even have a, a godly role model. Well, there may be men here today that aren't married, but they could be a mentor. They could be a role model to, young, to younger folks. So, Lord, help us to step into what you're calling us to do so that we can see people flourish. We can see relationships flourish. Lord, that's the backbone of the church is families and relationships where we need to have healthy relationships. So help us, God. 